Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business, all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 110. In today's episode, I interview colon hydrotherapy extraordinaire, Stephanie Cato. Be sure to stick around for the end of the show to learn about metaphysical colon hydrotherapy, reaching alpha brain states, and exploring belief systems. Alrighty guys, another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast, and on the line today I have Stephanie Cato. Stephanie, first question I ask everybody who comes on the show is, share with us the highlights of your health journey up till this point. Well, um, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. Um, Gosh, I've been doing (laughs) colon hydrotherapy for 21 years. Uh, Prior to that, I was in business administration, and I wasn't a particularly healthy person. Um, I was somewhat overweight and not eating correctly, and... uh, you know, I just happened to call this place. I wanted to get a massage. They told me they did colonics. I'm like, what's that? They told me. I said, sure. Um, loved it from the very beginning. And they thought I'd be a good therapist. Um, and it was a good time for me because I was wanting to transition into something different. So it's like life just kind of handed it to me on a silver platter. <laughs> so speaking of like the colon hydrotherapy, could you share with people like what that is, what a colonic is? Just give them a quick overview in case not everybody's familiar with uh, the ins and outs of it, if you will. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, colon hydrotherapy is a gentle cleansing of the large intestine using purified water. Um, so what I do in my sessions is I employ a lot of body work. I am channeling energy. Um, and the med- metaphysical colonics that I do give the client an opportunity to look at any of their physical dysfunction or illness from the different perspectives of mental, emotional, spiritual, as well as physical. Um, so it is a very gentle process. I have two different systems. One's an open, one's a closed. Um, the open is a gravity system. It's more like um, you're in a reclining position and the water is continuously filling and emptying. And then when you feel pressure, you can actually bear down. It's much more like using a toilet. With the closed system, you're on a, lying on a massage table. Um, so that one uses gentle pressure to fill the colon. And when the client feels pressure or they need to release, then they let me know. And then I release. So the closed is more relaxing and the open is more interactive, but they both do the same thing. So speaking of like the metaphysical part of it, like how does that all come together? Because I'm curious, like it seems uh, I I think a lot of people are going to look at it and say, well, yeah, just cleaning out my bowels, no big deal. But there's a lot more to it than that. And share with me and listeners, please, like uh, how that all comes into play then. Okay, that's a great question. So let's say somebody comes in and they want to lose some weight. Um, so of course, you know, I'm going to talk to them about lifestyle. You know, how much water are they drinking? What are they eating? Um, I'm a big proponent of eating for your blood type. Um, you know, are they exercising enough? Do they feel joy? And then I really want to look at, you know, when did the weight gain start? Is that something that they had all their life? Is that a struggle for them? Um, Is it something fairly recent? Because all, you know, I really believe in the wisdom of the body. I believe that our body loves us and wants us to heal. So certain things will happen to get our attention, to talk to us. Um, 
And sometimes with weight, it can be armor. So if people don't feel particularly safe in the world or in relationships, um, if they feel judged by others, if they feel burdened by others, um, all these are reasons why we might be carrying extra weight, um, along with the phys physiology of you know having a congested lymphatic system and maybe not eating properly or moving our body enough. But as far as the metaphysical, it's just a way for us to look at other parts of us. You know what are our belief systems? What are we thinking that might be keeping the weight on? What might be unresolved or left over um, from childhood that we need to look at and heal? Spiritually, are we connected to something um, that we can really step into a place of trust with so that we don't arm ourselves? So how does that even tie into then uh, like some of the hydrotherapy for, for the colon? Because I, I know like a lot of people will um, really hold on to things, uh, whether it be in the colon, just in other organs. Now, is some of that holding on and guarding uh, even coming out with this? Is that is that part of the process? Yes. So I believe that we hold in layers on a cellular level emotionally, and when we can, you know, talk about what's going on with somebody and really bring that, because a lot of times it's very subconscious or unconscious. When we bring it up to the subconscious level then they can release it on a cellular level and that can help physically what they're experiencing in their body is that was that what you were asking yeah yeah no it's one of those things i'm just thinking about like because i'm intrigued by just the the colon therapy in general then too i guess um what outside of the metaphysical like okay you go in like you said for session then and how how does this start like is, is somebody usually coming in because I guess, what are, what are the reasons people are coming in for, even? Oh, it varies. Um, a lot of people come in, obviously, for digestive issues, and that can range from constipation or IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome. Some people have a lot of gas and bloating. Um, some people do want to lose weight. There are those who are doing cleanses, and I really do encourage people, before you start a cleanse, take a colonic, because you want to, you know, get rid of what's already in there so that when your body starts to detox the process can be a lot easier more comfortable um, and uh, so cleansing um, and and people that really are healthy and they want to continue to maintain their health because really health begins in the gut so you know about what 67 percent of your immune systems in your gut for me I believe that the cleaner it is the stronger your immune system um, for health so you know some people are very ill and they're coming in to heal because they understand that. They know that you really need to clear out what's in your colon because, you know, sometimes that can stay there for a while and as it rots and putrefies, if you can imagine, that's creating a lot of bacteria that might not be very healthy. So I know you've talked about too, like you said, the blood type, uh, talking about cleansing. And I know you said, like, uh, checking out your website and stuff. You have stuff coming up for that. Um, but what is like, it's, it says that it's an intentional cleanse. Can you share with people like what an intentional cleanse is? Because I think when people think of it in a cleanse, it's just like, okay, I'm going to eat like this for a day, a week, a month, whatever it is, and just kind of, all right, move on back to where they were going. Right, exactly. So the intention for the intentional cleanse is to really bring those other parts of us into our cleanse. What's interesting is a lot of times, you know, people will use food as a way to maybe keep certain feelings from rising to the surface. And I understand that, I have a lot of compassion for that because it can be very painful what's sitting underneath. But when we remove those things that tend to keep those feelings down, then all those feelings are available to us. And it can be overwhelming, it can be a little confusing, it can be painful. But if we set an intention at the beginning of the cleanse that, okay, I'm going to um, let go of fear, you know, see how fear impacts my life. And so when these things start to come up, then we come back to that. We remind ourselves this was the intention. When we, we take intention and we combine it with thought, absolutely amazing things can happen. So it's a way to be able to encourage the person to continue to shift on, on levels that maybe they didn't think about. Now, how does that tie into, I know you talked about like the blood typing, uh, or you're a big fan of like eating for your blood type. Uh, share with people, because not everybody's familiar, like I know there's uh, books out there on it, but not everybody might know like why that is such a big deal then too. Okay, um, so I've been eating for my blood type for about 17 years, 
And uh, I grew up, you know, like I said, overweight, but I was eating all the wrong foods. I'm a blood type O, and I was doing a lot of carbs. I was doing dairy. Um, it's basically a diet that's, that, you know, you're eating foods that your body can metabolize. And what we metabolize, we digest, absorb, assimilate, and eliminate properly. Um, I've had clients that have had, you know, constipation their entire life. They start to eat for their blood type. Their valves start to move regularly. So, you know, I just feel that it, it is very effective and very helpful. Um, sometimes, too, people don't connect certain things to the food they're eating. So for me, if I eat corn, almost instantly I'll get gas. Um, wheat will give me a backache and make me tired. I mean, I'll go into a food coma. Because it's taking my body so much energy to have to deal with that food that it can't metabolize. So that's why it's important. And to really start to make those connections with, you know, really getting present with yourself to notice, I'm really tired. I don't feel very well. Well, what did I just eat? Or what was I just thinking? You know, that's really the intention of this work. So what was, I guess, how did your... Uh nutrition how did your life even change from changing to that blood type because this is something like i've looked into a bit i've, I've not delved into myself like i've made it as part of some of what i do um but any specific resources that you even have then too like hey where to get started with looking at something like this oh yeah absolutely um so i hear i sell little kits it's kind of like a fun science experiment but you can also get it on the Diadamo um, website and it's a way to that's what you have to start with is finding out what your blood type is um, here's an interesting little thing we in America very few of us know what our blood type is but if you ask anybody in Japan everybody knows and it's interesting because they're but if you ask anybody in America what's your what's your um, horoscope they'll know like what's yours uh, actually, I just found yeah, out yesterday. I'm an uh, oh, yeah, funny? yesterday was I found out just because it came up in like I was talking with one of my patients and we were talking about it. Uh, so I'm a Virgo. Okay, you're a Virgo, exactly. So most people in America will know that, but um, people in Japan will know their blood type. So it's a it's a very interesting thing. Um, the blood type diet. For me personally, it really just helped me to get healthy. You know, I used to have kind of an overall bloat in my body because I was it was a lot of congestion and that's what happens when we eat foods that our body doesn't metabolize it congests us and it creates inflammation and you know when it comes to healing our bodies with illness or with weight or with pain first thing we need to do is eliminate the um, inflammation so that's why I'm such a big fan of eating for your blood type I am able to maintain my weight. I have plenty of energy. I feel really good. My bowels move regularly. Those are all reasons why I do it. And and the anti-inflammatory portion of the cleanse is why I really would like people to do this because some people have never lived without inflammation. They don't know how good their body can feel, you know? And why I'm doing a food cleanse is because it's gentle. And it can really show us, oh, wow, maybe I've been eating in a way that's not the best for me. And you don't know that until you stop eating those foods. Going back to even like speaking, talking about Japan, like, is this something, uh, it, are blood types common in specific areas of the world? Do you know? Uh, like, if you're looking at the U.S., like, there's lots of diversity just from people coming in from all over the place. But Japan... Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't been there, but I imagine it's just more Japanese who have been there for generations. Now, like, is a common blood type come up, and is that why people eat very similarly? Um, it could be. I mean, generally speaking, the blood types in Japan are A or O. So yeah. I would venture to say that the Japanese that are carrying extra weight are probably eating uh, more wheat than would be helpful for them. Um, I will say that I do notice that more foreigners... Uh, the, that you know, I work with. Um, they do know their blood type much more than the Americans, so I find that interesting. No, definitely, because I have no idea what my blood type is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about it as we're talking, and I think it's something that's important, though, too. Not, I mean, yes, because of this, but I mean, if there's ever an emergency, like you need to know these things. Yeah, it's, it's right. kind of a big deal. Uh, <laughs> I might have to get on that. So thank you, thank you for the little kick in the butt on that one. Sure. Uh, one thing I'm curious. Okay, we talked about like going to the bathroom regularly like what does pooping regularly even mean well generally you want to have a bowel movement after each meal 
Um, so what's happening is the transit time is important for a healthy colon. If you're, let's say, if you're eliminating in the morning when you wake up, it's generally lunch from the day prior. So it's usually two meals before. Um, not a lot of people have, you know, two to three bowel movements a day. Most people it may be one. But you do want to feel when you have it. Once you sit down, you should start to eliminate pretty quickly. You don't want to be sitting there for several minutes. One of the things that I do is um, I use... It's called a step and go, and it's similar to like the squatty putties, um, and it just basically elevates your feet and puts you in the proper squatting position. That's important because it helps to um, support your rectum in a way that you can have much more efficient bowel movement. So when you sit down, you want to do some deep breathing, and you do want it to release pretty easily. Um, if you're straining, if you're pushing, if you know it's not really coming out very easily or it comes out in little balls, um, that could indicate that you're dehydrated. Um, you do want it to come out in like one length, kind of that looks like a sausage or a banana. It should sit on the, the surface for a couple of seconds and then sink. Um, if it's floating, it could mean that you have too much fat in your diet um, or if you see a lot of oil on the surface. So I do tell people, look at your poop. After you have a bowel movement, take a look in the toilet, see what's there because you can get a lot of information there. Um, if you're releasing a lot of gas on the toilet or if you see a lot of undigested food, it could mean that you would benefit from some digestive enzymes and changing your diet. I'm really glad you just said that, like looking at your poop because people are like, oh my God, like got to flush, I got to flush, like don't want anything to do with it. No, it can really teach you a lot though about what all you're putting into your body. I mean, that's absolutely huge. And knowing right. those simple things to look for, like, hey, is it floating? Is it sinking right away? Is it coming out? I mean, just whatever the shapes are, all of these are absolutely critical. And then, of course, undigested food particles in there, that's a big problem. Like, your digestive system is now not working. You're not actually getting anything out of what you're eating. So all right. of these things are really, really important. Uh, I'm curious, what's the other one called, though? A step and go? Because I only know of the squatty potty. Yeah, step and go, yeah. Um, for Fred over at Step and Go is my guy, and he supplies me with all of them. I sell them here, and they just came out with a really beautiful bamboo one. So the decor in my office is all Japanese, so it, it, it looks so pretty there. Yeah, and it's nice. It's a kind of a fun conversation starter, right? If somebody comes to your house, they're like, what's under your toilet? So you can educate people and tell them you've got it, you know? When I went to Japan, and I was at the train station, they had just these holes. And um, I had some of the greatest bell movements in Japan because I was squatting. <laughs> I find it so funny. Like every time anybody that I've ever had like over the house or like in the office that's used one for the first time, they're just ecstatic after they use it. They're like, that was absolutely amazing. <laughs> like, and no, it's true. Like everybody just wants right. to go out and get one because now they realize like, oh, that's what's supposed to happen. That's easy. Not like you said, <laughs> the straining or anything like that. This is really critical right. just for pelvic girdle health i mean everything it's so important yeah. to have that yeah what are some of the other things that you picked up on like you said traveling in japan being on the airplane going back and forth but like what is it that you see in that culture that i guess most americans could learn from as far as their health goes um you know i would have to say the amount of food that we eat here in america is ginormous compared to how people eat in Japan. They don't eat that much. And um, interestingly enough, as I get older, I don't need as much food. And I think sometimes we're conditioned to just keep eating what's on our plate or to eat bigger portions that we need. And so, you know, when you go to a restaurant, a good rule of thumb is look at it, ask for it to go box right at the beginning and take half of your meal and put it in that box and then you know eat slowly chew your food really well right and that and you might find that that's enough um, sometimes some people do really well eating several small meals throughout the day instead of inundating their body with so much food at one time because it can be really hard to digest that way um, and again you know it's kind of fun you can offer yourself a bunch of different types of foods because we really do need to eat a variety of fruits and vegetables and you know carbs and proteins so and fats um, so yeah that can be really helpful um, but that was probably one of the biggest things I noticed is the food portions are so different between America and Japan 
Now, one thing I'm curious about then, too, is just meat consumption, I guess, overall. Like, because you're talking about food quantities, and I feel like as Americans, there's just so, so much muscle meat that's being eaten. Like, it's absolutely insane sometimes to just see the portion sizes. Like, you said, just you go out to eat and you get a steak. I mean, people are just downing, like, 24-ounce steaks for themselves, like, pound and a half. That really, like, that's a lot for the body to have to handle all at once. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is, and, and that's a lot for your gut to have, you know, really to break it down, especially too, people eat really quickly a lot of times, just not even realizing it. We live at such a fast pace now that we're just kind of like swallowing our food, but especially something like meat. You know, I have to tell my kids all the time, chew that meat, you know, don't just keep swallowing it because the idea is you want to make it the easiest for your body to digest your food. So. Digestion starts in the mouth with proper mastication. When you're really masticating your food and chewing well, you know, your body is releasing enzymes to help you break that down. It also tells your body, okay, there's more food coming down the pike, get ready. And that's another reason why people, I think, have digestive issues because they don't give their body enough time to catch up to what they're doing. Um, our bodies, you know, they know, it knows what it's supposed to do. It's prepared for it, but we do have to slow down long enough to give it a chance to deal with what we're throwing at it. Um, so yes, you know, if you, and, and I'm not somebody, I'm not a colon therapist that believes that we shouldn't eat meat. I think that diet is a very individual thing. Um, as a blood type, oh, I have tried to be vegetarian and I almost pass out. It doesn't really work very well for me personally. I end up eating more carbs, I gain more weight, I'm more sluggish, it hits my digestion. Um, so a good diet for me is protein and vegetables. But protein is maybe, you know, the size of your palm. That's about it. And you want to fill the rest of your plate with lots of vegetables. The more vegetables, the better. <laughs> Especially dark green, leafy, anything that has natural fiber and water content is going to be really helpful. And I'm just thinking about this too. Like people have to understand, like that's at each meal. Like it's not that you're just having these vegetables for dinner. Uh, maybe right. sometimes for lunch. Like this is every time you're eating. Like that's what it looks like. It's not like oh, I'm just grabbing. Uh, I mean, you just see all these little bars. I mean, everything like that. Some of them can be great, but for the most part, again, they're just so refined, and all of this still comes back to digestion. I mean, those are going to be dehydrating if you're not staying properly hydrated. Uh, it's just on and on and. That's something else that I was going to ask is, what is, I guess, what does packaged food look like? Uh, again, if you've been traveling overseas, like, I, I don't know much about it. That's that's why I'm curious is, is there a lot that's, I'm sure there's a lot that's available, but is that the typical thing that people are eating or are they sticking more with just, hey, they're eating food at each meal? Oh, are you talking about in Japan? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I think generally their diets are probably healthier. Um, there is definitely packaged foods, and, uh, you know, I think that's going to be anywhere. But, again, I think it's everything in moderation, you know. So if you want to have a little bit of rice crackers, that's fine, but a little bit, you know. Um, really focus more on on fresh fruits and vegetables. And interestingly enough, in Japan, they eat salad for breakfast. Which makes sense if you think about it, because in the morning, your body is really trying to release because it's had a rest and now it wants to release. And so if you're giving it something that is fiber and water and it is a little bit lighter, because they also tend to do fish and, and rice in the morning, um, that's going to make it a little bit easier as opposed to here if we have like big pastries and, you know, um, like heavy meals for breakfast can be really counter um it, it it just doesn't help your body to be able to release in the morning the way that it should you know I, I generally have a smoothie in the morning just to make sure that my body is not taking in too much and that seems to work pretty well so what are the things that you do like what what is maybe your daily routine look like i mean are you getting up like hey is it starting the day off hey with that smoothie are you doing meditation do you get outside like what does that look like for you ideally like to progress through that day then to be uh, at the peak of your health? <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah, um, I get up in the morning and I do a little meditation. It's something that uh, really helps to start my day calm and grounded. Um, I'm a person who goes to the alpha level 
uh, of my brain. Um, and so there's a little practice that I do to do that. I set my day, I set my intentions. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I get my, I, I have two children at home, so um, I'll usually make my smoothie and they're pretty much on their own to get their stuff together. <laughs> We're all just kind of, you know, independent. Um, but I love that about them. And then, um, yeah, I, I come to work and I get myself settled. I always come to work early because I don't like to rush. I don't like to feel starting my day that way. I like to be calm. Um, I have aromatherapy here, so I'm making sure that you know I'm breathing in things that are healthy. Um, my job is pretty physical. I'm doing a lot of body work, and I love it so much. I, I am a very big proponent of doing something that you love. Um, and then, you know, after my day, I will, uh, after I grab my daughter, I'll go, I live around the corner from these stairs as well as kind of switchbacks. So I'll go and I'll do like a hike and at the top I'll do my push-ups and, you know, triceps and all that stuff. But I'm breathing and I'm out in nature. Um, I'm drinking plenty of water. Um, then I'll come home and have a healthy meal with my kids and kind of catch up with them and see what's going on with them. Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll do something that I really love, reading, um, I do write, um, talking to friends, you know, things like that. But balance is so important, and I think that it's important that we're eating foods we love that are healthy, that's going to nourish us, that we bring joy into life every day, that we move our body, that we stay hydrated, and that we're really connecting with people that we love. I have a couple questions from there, but I, the first thing, like, going back to the beginning of that, like, when you're saying like you're getting to your the alpha level of your brain, explain to people if they might not understand. Like there are several different um, waveforms that you're going to be uh, being able to reach for your brain. So what does it look like for you, or uh, what really is the alpha state uh, for brain waves? Okay, so right now you and I, as we're talking and as we go through our life, we're on the beta level, and um, so the brain actually beats like the heart. Um, only it has certain beats per second as opposed to the heart per minute. Um, so it's pretty fast. And there is the beta, there's alpha, there's theta, there's delta, uh, epsilon, gamma. I believe those are the, the levels. Um, when we're sleeping, we're in usually high to low theta, and sometimes we dip down into delta. But alpha is really special because that's where we can connect to infinite intelligence, that's where we can really get guidance, that's where we can really set intentions, start to visualize and create what we want in our life, um, and really start to do some great things in the world. You know, if you know somebody who's suffering with something in their life, whether it's illness or situation, it's on those levels that you can really start to send some love and help to people. Um, and just healing energy. It's really beautiful the way that we were created and how we can connect to other people on the planet. You know, and I really love how there's this collective that we're connected to each other. Um, and I think that that's really helpful because, you know, even if we're upset at somebody, we can have compassion for what's going on with them, knowing that we've gone through something similar like that. And a question that I always ask myself if I'm maybe having a challenge with somebody is do I want to add to their suffering and I don't and I'm very committed to that so if somebody and I are not getting along then I will just step away leave that alone I'll go to the alpha level and then I'll just send them some love and it you know it helps me to feel better I believe that it's really doing something good and positive for them um, and you know I stay really healthy by adopting that mindset and that practice do you have any recommendations for people on how to learn about that? Because I think that's something that can be a little overwhelming. Like I, people, I think are starting to get onto the idea of, okay, maybe meditation, doing that, but how to reach different brain states for themselves. The way I did it with, was Jose Silva. And, uh, he actually started this back in the sixties. Um, I think it might be Silva I'm not sure, but, it's a website that um, when you go on it, you can see it's called the Silver Silva Centering Exercise. And the top left when you're on the home page will give um, kind of an overview of what that is. And then at the bottom left is the actual exercise. 
And so that's probably what I would tell people to do because that's how I've done it. Um, it's been amazing. You know, I'm able to really increase my psychic abilities. We all have it. It's just a matter of um, practicing, you know, and really increasing our intuition. Um, when we all have that kind of gut feeling that uh, something is maybe not right, it, but by practicing, you know, going to the alpha level on a regular basis, I think we start to pay attention to those signals that we're being given. Do you notice that kind of stuff in your children at all, that they have these abilities without really even having to necessarily cultivate it? Um, because the way, like some of my understanding with it is a lot of this can be even be suppressed. Like, uh, like no, you can't do that. Like a, a, an adult might say to their child, like, oh, that's not true, like this and that. And I think some of that, just like creativity, can be pushed down. But no, that, that stuff is real. And do, do you see that with your kids then as well? I do, you know, and that's one of the reasons as a parent that I will make amends to my children if I need to. Um, look, we're all human. We're, there's nobody that's perfect, you know. Um, but I do my best to be very conscious with my own internal healing. I am always growing. I'm always learning. I'm always looking at how I can be a better person. Um, and for that, number one, that's me taking responsibility. So if I say something or do something that causes my kids some pain, you know, I can grab it back and just say, you know what, I'm so sorry. I did not mean that. Um, how did that feel to you? And really start the conversation for them. Um, that is how I've raised my children. I think it's very important. And you bring up a really good point with that, a great deal of my work involves teaching people how to inner, uh, heal their inner child because, you know, because we were raised the way that we were and a lot of times, you know, people are unconscious when they're raising their kids or they raise their kids, you know, based on how they were taught or really I believe that we can only give love to each other or to children from the love that we have for ourselves. So we do need to really take it back and, and look at and be honest with what were the belief systems in my family dynamic? What was I told? Um, what do I believe to be true about my health, about relationships, about how I feel about myself? What did I perceive by what somebody told me? Who, as a child, it's completely normal that you would look at an authority and say, okay, yeah, you know what you're talking about but maybe this is somebody who's carrying a lot of pain and they're putting that on us. So, you know, sometimes the way that we feel about ourselves based on what we were told is not accurate. It's just what we were told and what we swallowed to be the truth. So I do think it's important that people take time to reflect back at it. And again, that can be a challenging thing because it could be opening up a can of painful worms. And I do understand that. I encourage people to go slowly to engage therapists or healers if they need to. Um, but because I believe in the wisdom of the body, because I do believe that it talks to us through different illness and dysfunction, it is, you know, we're worthy of taking that time and to encourage ourselves, remind ourselves that we've survived that once. We'll be able to, you know, do it again, but we are worthy of healing that at, at its every origin. When you talked about doing writing, and I mean, you do have the book, uh, Embracing Love by Letting Go. I mean, is, is this similar to that, or where do you really dive into in the book then, too? It is. You know, I do talk about healing um, the inner child. I talk about how people are mirrors for us. I think one of the things that people carry so much hurt from is that somebody will say or do something to us, and we get hurt from it because we believe that what they're saying or doing is personal to us. The truth is most people are just being who they are. And... We often will attract people into our lives who are going to trigger those things in us that are still unresolved. So a good thing to do is to take that insult <laughs> that somebody gives us and use it. Use it to our benefit. Allow ourselves to really feel that and detach from that person. Thank them. Bless them for coming in and triggering that in us. Because truly, if there wasn't anything in us, we wouldn't react to it the way that we do. We would just look at them and say, wow, they're having kind of a bad day. What can I do to help them? But if it's triggering something in us, goes, oh, my God, how, I can't believe you said that to me. What's wrong with you? There's something there for us. There's a gift there. And I really do encourage people to look at what that's about. So, yes, I do go through that in my book. That's an awesome – like, 
the way you got like really frustrated there for a second. Like, no, I, I'm just <laughs> picturing myself. Like, anytime that anything makes me feel like that, or that I see other people, uh, even that happening to them, uh, whatever the situation, I think it's important to recognize that, uh, not only for ourselves, for others, because we can learn about ourselves, I think, by seeing that in others then, too, when they do have that little bit of a freak out moment for whatever was said, whatever was done. Uh, but yeah, embracing that and recognizing why, why am I feeling like this uh, is probably an important question to ask yourself a lot. Yeah, I think it is. And you know, you brought up another good point. What we think really creates how we feel. Um, one of the reasons why I do practice going to the alpha level because if somebody is talking about, oh my God, I'm having so much anxiety, I'll ask them, right before the anxiety, what were you thinking? And usually they say, oh, well, I'm afraid that, you know, I'm not going to get paid this month. Or, you know, there's always a connection, a mental connection to what we're feeling in that moment. That's why it's so important to go back and really look at what are my belief systems about myself? Do I feel worthy? Am I able to love myself? Do I feel I deserve to have this, that, and the other thing? You know, a lot of people are very afraid to really dream as big as they can because they're afraid maybe they won't get it, so they won't even take that step. Um, but then what are you left with? You're just left in a, a place of fear or a place of unworthiness or a place of lack, and that's no way to go through life. You know, we're creative beings, and we have really the opportunity at every moment to create what we want, whether that's health, whether that's love, whether that's abundance, you know, but we do need to feel worthy to receive all these things. So it's a great conversation to have with yourself and with your body, knowing that it really loves us and wants us to heal by maybe asking us to look at things from a different perspective or look at them a little deeper. You said belief systems a couple times now Stephanie like how how does somebody really go about exploring that because I'm sure it's it's probably kind of a hard place to start like okay my belief systems like what do I believe in uh is it something you just kind of ask and think about do you you like to have people write it out I mean any any thoughts any any tips for people on that I would say you know whatever feels comfortable to the person um, sure, they can sit and they can think about it. For me, I am a writer, so I do like to write things down. So I can look at it and revisit it. Um, you know, everybody has a different way of offering that to themselves. What I would encourage people to do is get comfortable. You know, if you like to go to the beach, take yourself for a walk. Make it a joyful experience for yourself. If you like to be in the mountains, go for a hike. You know, something that really offers yourself some self-love as you're doing this practice so that you can get really honest with yourself and be really quiet with yourself. And yes, go within. That is an internal, um, that is an internal process that is really lovely and life-changing. Um, but, you know, that's, that's individual, I think. I'm curious, what is your vision? I mean, we're talking about all of this stuff here. Like, what is your vision for a healthy future? I mean, for yourself and family, but I mean, just the world in general. Like, where do you see everybody going? Oh, I see it as extremely optimistic. You know, I have been doing this for a couple of decades, and I can see the shift in consciousness with people. I think that's why we're seeing, especially in this country, the healthcare system changing the way that it is. You know, people are really willing to take responsibility for their bodies. You know, it's not an old school paradigm anymore where they just go to a doctor and say, okay, give me a pill. People want to know, why am I feeling this way? What is causing this? They're looking at diet. They're looking at cleanses. I think that that's amazing and wonderful and very encouraging. Um, we're having conversations just mainstream about loving each other, about loving ourselves. It really starts within and then it goes outward. Um, so I really see a lot of people that are, you know, standing up for themselves with the, with the women's marches, with all these things that you're seeing where people are saying, I deserve this, I am worthy and I have a voice and I'm going to stand here and speak my truth. 
that's all beautiful. All of that is going to help to get us to the health. And health, of course, is not just physical health. It's mental health. It's emotional health. It's spiritual health. It's all of us. Um, you know, so, yeah, I think, you know, as we continue to move forward, uh, it's very positive. I see kids today that are having conversations about things that I never thought of when I was a kid. I, I listen to, you know, my kids talking to their friends and just um, what they're interested in. You know, uh, my son wanted to go to a march um, about a month ago, and so we went. I loved it. it. It came from him. You know, this generation is really different. They're very proactive. They're very conscious. But they're also very empathetic and compassionate, and I love that. So, um, so I think we're headed in a great direction. I think that's really cool to think. I hadn't thought about it from that standpoint of uh, just that where, where the youth are even going with it then too. Like you said, the conversations that they're having are going to be different. I mean, every generation you see that changing uh, and really it seems like for the better, which is an awesome thing to see then too, uh, budding out and emerging for global consciousness, global health. Right, absolutely. You know, and as a mother, I can see what influence I have on my kids. You know, especially my daughter. She does look to me. She will. She's 13. She'll go with me to go work out. She really likes to watch her diet. You know, we parents have such a beautiful opportunity to be that role model for our children. So it's a win-win. We get to get healthy. We get to feel better. We're putting the oxygen mask on ourselves. And we're also teaching their example to our children of how they take care of themselves. You know, when we have the courage to really deal with that emotional part of us, it shows them that they can do it as well. And how to negotiate, how to compromise, how to really work in their own relationships going forward. You know, my kids are 13 and 17. It's really now about me preparing them for getting out there in the world and having their own conversations and their own relationships and how they view themselves. Um, and really, kids learn by example. I mean, there is some learning that happens by what we tell them, but it's really more by what they see. So then, Stephanie, what has maybe been your biggest uh, struggle with your health recently? And what did you, if your kids had a reaction to that, or what did they really get to see uh, from you learning from that as well? Okay, so um, I actually had hip dysplasia. I was born with it. And I was in pain for about four years. And about seven months ago, I replaced my hip. Um, and it's been amazing. <laughs> I love it. I feel so great. I'm able to exercise. I can move. I don't have any pain. The rain comes. I feel wonderful. Um, so for me and the kids, I think it was just an opportunity to show them that, you know, sometimes, yeah, you know, it, it it's great to do these alternative things. I did acupuncture and chiropractor and, you know, I really needed to change the structure of something that was not right in my body. Um, it was a big deal. It was a big surgery. Um, but sometimes that happens. So, you know, I do think that there's a place for both the holistic and the allopathic, you know, ways of healing. And, um, and I think that's important. And I think that helped to show my children, you know, you do whatever you need to do and there's no judgment about it. Whatever you need to do to take care of yourself is, is great. I think that's an awesome point. Like there's no judgment about going with either well, whatever you need but in this case it's like you said this was an allopathic model i mean you still needed that support that help and you found what you needed i mean you you sought out the alternative methods before and they don't always work i mean there's going to be a time and place for each of the models and having that recognition and um willingness to to be open to it i mean we're talking about all these other uh forms of health that really don't fit that well into the allopathic model um, but that's fine, but it still has its time and place. And you can see, I mean, this big smile, like you're ready to jump around and feeling good from that. So that's awesome to hear. Yes, absolutely. And I did go into my surgery prepared. You know, I made sure that, of course, my diet was very, very clean going in because there's going to be natural inflammation that happens when you have any type of invasive surgery. But what I can do to control the amount of inflammation that I come in with was really, really huge. I also asked my doctor to prepare some herbs for me to help with uh, the swelling. So anti-inflammatory uh, to help with the pain. I was taking chlorophyll. 
I was making sure that I was staying hydrated. Um, and you know, there are just natural things that happen with surgery. And so I did have some constipation during or after when I was recovering. So, you know, I was grateful to be able to have colon hydrotherapy available to me um, to help give me some relief and get my bowels moving again. Um, so within, even though, you know, I did go and do more of a traditional type of therapy, um, I still was able to bring in a lot of my holistic um, practices with me. So we're talking about a lot of stuff right now, Stephanie. Like, what is something that you're just geeking out on right now that you're just like diving into really trying to learn uh, more about? Um, energy and frequency and vibration uh, because we are, you know, not like we said, just a physical body, right? Um, we are also energetic beings and I really do think that physical, because it's the, the densest of all the bodies, it manifests last. So, you know, we do need to look at the energy fields that surround us and what we think, you know, if we spend a lot of time in fear and resentment and anger, that's going to affect how our, our vibration and our frequency is. And I do know that there are certain illnesses that really do well at lower frequencies. So what we can do to raise our frequency, you might even have heard of where people raise their vibration. Um, that's an actual real thing because it's energetic and uh, and it's how we can also um, interact with other people on an energetic level um, there are some people who maybe they're having issues with a parent or a loved one and they're not able to really talk to them or communicate and it hurts them it hurts their heart knowing that there's that separation um, and there's certain exercises that I teach to help people to be able to connect on an energetic level and so you know, it's it's really cool. I'm I read a lot of books about it, and uh, I watch a lot of YouTube videos about it. Um, but a, a a lot a great deal of what I do is really moving um, energy in people. And um, very interesting. The other day, I had a client who was wearing a jade bracelet, and after I had finished the session on her, she went home. She took a picture of it, and it turned a much deeper green after our session. And I think it's because it was responding to her frequency changing because of the session. Could you so. explain to people like moving energy, moving these, these, these frequencies, these vibrations, like what does that really mean? Well, you know, our body is moving all the time. Uh, one of the, it's moving with the lymph, it's moving with your blood, right? Everything's moving. Um, one thing that I do is cranial therapy, and this is something that people don't know that much about. But um, inside of our head, we have something called a cranial rhythm, and it breathes. It breathes just like we breathe. Um, but if, let's say, we are stressed, and stress is contracted in energy, it can cause us to have shallow breathing, it can cause the cranial rhythm to not be moving very much. And um, at night when we're sleeping, our brain shrinks a little bit. And the cerebral spinal fluid goes around it to push out the toxins. So it's really important that that cranial rhythm is moving. That's why things like meditation is so important and any kind of stress relief that we can do. Because energetically, if we're in a contracted state, the energy isn't going to really be flowing which means that can really affect how our digestion is moving, how our lungs are breathing, how our hearts are beating. It affects every part of us. It's so important to make sure that that energy is flowing. That's why when we meditate or we're in love or we're spending time with friends, we're doing something that's joyful, all those things are expansive energetically. And that's why they feel so good. That's a really cool thing to think about is like energetically expensive, but why things like we think of energy, I think is uh, more just like, okay, I'm taking in food or I didn't get enough sleep. I mean, those are things where I, I think energy just gets always put on that, but there's so much more. I mean, us talking, like, are we anywhere close to each other? No, I mean, we're a continent apart, but we can still have that energy and share that same energy 
by not even being close to another. But yet you can also have somebody walk in a room and all of a sudden you just feel either this energy train or just this uplifting energy just by their presence. Uh, so I think that's so cool uh, to be able to feel that and just recognize those things in ourselves. And um, it's important to just know any of those energy uh, stressors, uh, drainers, that's the word I'm looking for, uh, that you notice if you do something and or if you're around something or somebody and it drains you, you need to look into that and what is that really doing to your body too? Absolutely, yeah. And, and you know, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I was just thinking right now, that is a really important conversation to have. It's important who we're spending time with because we're actually interacting in that other person's energy and you know if we don't have very healthy and clear boundaries within ourselves we can literally take on some of that other person's stuff and then we under you know then we're like why am I feeling so tired or why am I kind of feeling depressed um, you know and it, it is something to think about if we're in a relationship with somebody that maybe is not going very well you know we really have to think about those things because we're we're interacting with them all the time and their energy field is connecting with ours in a way and I think it's important that when we do connect with people as much as possible that it's a healthy connection this was something I started maybe a year or two ago and I'm curious on your thoughts because uh, I've, I have certain clients and I mean we all have people that are going to drain us in our lives whether they be friends, family, people that you're working with, and whatever it is. is there any, are there any recommendations that you have uh, for people to, I don't want to say disconnect, because I think that feels like it's completely cutting somebody off and not letting them in. But I, I knew I had to cut myself off uh, in from an energy drain of, stand, of certain points. Like, is, is, Do you do that when you're working with clients or when moving around energy? Because I expect if you started off the day, you'd be filled with energy, but by the end, if you're just giving all of your energy away, you're just going to be, I mean, down in the dumps and just completely <laughs> drained from something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm very intentional when I work because people are releasing their waste material, but they're also releasing energetically. I protect myself. I have certain meditations that I do to make sure that I, um, I protect myself energetically, but I'm also very, very clear. I have very strong, healthy boundaries, and I don't take on other people's stuff. So what people come in with, they leave with. Either they leave it, you know, um, on the table via the colonic tube, in the toilet, or they take it back with them. But I, I don't, I don't keep it because it wouldn't be healthy for me, and it wouldn't be helping them. So you know, I'm very, very clear about that. And. The other thing too is that you know, on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the other thing too is that it doesn't necessarily have to be the kind of thing where you're like, well, I'm just going to cut them out. Sometimes that is necessary. I understand that, that, and I have had to do that too. But I notice that as I really step into self-love and self-worth, that's naturally going to be raising your frequency, and then people are going to naturally fall. It's a fascinating thing to watch. So the best thing we can do is take care of ourselves, is be good to ourselves, kind, gentle, compassionate, nurturing, loving. Take really good care of ourselves so that we are feeling as good as we can. We know, you know, really, without a shadow of a doubt, our worth. And then those people that maybe might want to leech on to us because they're having their own self-worth issues, they may just... They may just fall away naturally, and there may not be anything you have to do about it. I think that's really important for uh, anybody working with people uh, in general, or I think just anybody in general, to understand is you don't have to give away your energy to others. Uh, it is it is yours, uh, and theirs is theirs, and each of you can have still that wonderful relationship uh, no matter what. Uh, but knowing that and I think for somebody who puts their hands on people uh, for a living like that's very important because it's a very easy way to transfer energy and if you don't know how to control that you can be leaving a lot of yourself out there yeah absolutely and it's not 
I'm not doing them a service by giving myself away, right? They need to come back and see me, so I have to I have to be okay. I need to make sure that I have enough energy for myself, for my children, for the things I like to do. You know, it's really about balancing. Um, but you know, I also am very clear that I don't I don't participate in codependent relationships. It's not healthy for either one of us. Seventy. A couple last things in closing here. One of the things I always ask people is, who is somebody you would want to hear on this podcast, and what was you, what would you either want to ask them or hear them talk about specifically? Oh gosh, that's a great question. Um, there is a man I've been studying Chi Nice Sang, and oh gosh, what is his name? I don't remember it off the top of my head. I think it's something like Man Talk or something like that. Um, but anyways, I've been reading his book. Let me see if I can pull that up. That might make it a little bit easier. But he's an amazing guy. He really talks about energy in a way that is so enlightening. Man Tak Chia, M-A-N-T-A-K, and last name C-H-I-A. Um, but his approach on things is something I've been studying, and it's fascinating, and it really kind of brings in a different understanding of, of energy and the elements and the body. Um, so personally, <laughs> that's that's who I would love to hear. <laughs> what would you want to ask him? Oh, gosh. Um, I have to think about that. Uh, I might want to pick his brain. You know, to kind of see too how he approaches his clients and um, what are some things that he finds helpful and what are some of his perspectives. I really love perspectives from people. You know, everybody has a different one. It's fascinating to me. I, I absolutely agree, and that's that's part of the reason why I love doing the show is because I get to see people's <laughs> perspective. And like we just talked about, hey, different ways working with clients because I think everybody uh, can take something from that. Uh, but Stephanie, in closing. Where can the listeners find out more about you? Anything that you have coming up? I mean, talking about the book, the intentional cleanse, like, hey, if you're in your area, when, what can they do to reach out and uh, get in contact with you? Okay, great. Um, so my company's name is Iyasu. That's I-Y-A-S-U. And it means to heal in Japanese. Um, I am in West Los Angeles. My website is iyasukalonics.com. And people can go there. I am offering, um, starting in May, the intentional cleanse. With that, if people sign up and they opt in, um, I will be sending them free food lists that are anti-inflammatory as well as based on their blood type. So they would need to know what their blood type is in order to participate with that. Um, I have a Facebook page set up for that called At Intentional Cleanse. And what I wanted to do with that is to be able to really have a community of people that are cleansing together at the same time so they can support each other and ask questions and talk about what's working or what their experiences are. You know, I, I think it's really fun to cleanse together with people. Um, I do have two books that I, that I wrote. Actually, one for your listeners that are health practitioners might be interesting. It's called Embracing Life by Letting Go. And that one is really um, kind of sensitivity training for, for people that are in the service industry and who work with people. Um, and then the other one is embracing love by letting go. And really embracing love, the love I'm talking about is the self-love so that we can start to let go of some of those perceptions and belief systems that are not true, that are hurting us, that are keeping us in a place of suffering. Um, let's see. And then, yeah, you know, I mean, if you're in the LA area, come on in and get sessions. I do um, colon hydrotherapy, both metaphysical and regular bioelectric lymphatic drainage massage, cranial sacral therapy. Um, for those of your listeners that maybe want to work with me that aren't in this area, they can do a metaphysical phone session with me. I offer those as well. Excellent. Excellent. So, hey, anybody, whether you're in LA area or not, uh, reach out, get in contact here. Uh, lots of great stuff to work with. Uh, so, Stephanie, once again, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. I'm sure listeners are going to be able to take a lot home from this today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and your kindness to invite me on.
Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free. So thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others. So thank you.